we are allowed to just see what is the, the most the optimal way to serve drinks. So all of the standards for drinks are under a minute. Doesn't matter how many of you are there. It just means that we're able to make 500, 600 drinks a night, always being served rather fast because that functionality was built into the into the bar itself. Hello and welcome to the Diageo Bar Academy podcast, Bar Chat. This is Tristan Stevenson. Today I am speaking with Remy Savage. Remy is the co-owner of a bar with shapes instead of a name here in London, uh, as well as various other projects that are completed or underway, as you'll find out during the episode. On the episode, we talk about Remy's experiences moving from bartender to bar owner. We talk about art movements as bar concepts, and in particular, the Bauhaus movement at Shapes. We talk about concepts more generally, and in particular, the correct implementation of a concept when more is too much and when less isn't enough. We also talk about food and drink as art. We talk about flavour perception and taste. And we talk about the future of hospitality and a lot more. Hope you enjoy it. All right, I'm here with Remy Savage. Hey, Remy. Hi. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. Right, before we get into this properly, let's do your quickfire questions just to break the ice a little bit. Okay, you ready? Yes. Question one. When was the last time you made a dirty martini? Years. <laughs> Question two. Cognac, Armagnac, Calvados or Rum Agricole? Cognac. Question three. Name me an amazing bar that I've never heard of. Uh, alone together in Taipei. Yep, not heard of it. <laughs> Question four. On a scale of one to ten, how good are you at karaoke? A low two. <laughs> Question five. Scotch or bourbon? Scotch. Question six. Can you name a good cocktail that contains orange juice? No. Question seven. Jackson Pollock or Mark Rothko? Jackson Pollock. Question eight. Who would your desert island bar back be? Oh, such a great question. Uh... Sarah, my business partner for Paris. Oh, that's nice. Good stuff. You did very well on the speed of the quick fire. Sometimes we get people stumbling and trying to think of a clever answer, but that was straight from the heart, man. I got that. Quick fire. <laughs> so look, it's great to have you on. I'm glad, glad you can make it. And I'm glad that we're in the studio recording together as well. It's nice to be face to face. You're a busy man. I know that from trying to schedule this. You are all over the place at the moment. So what's been going on? Uh, we are busy. Yes, we opened a we opened a bar here in London. Uh, I think almost two years ago, a year and a half ago, uh, based on Bar House in uh, in East London, and that has been working wonderfully. And on the back of how well this worked, we decided to kind of expand this idea of opening different bar based on different art movements, mm. but kind of to to locate them where the art makes sense. So we'll be opening in Paris in March. Mm -hmm. We'll be opening in Bordeaux in. April will be opening in Lyon in May and then there are plans to do Milan there are plans to do a, another bar in London so there's there's just a lot of things happening and it's been uh, yeah it has been busy good busy though yeah man so the the bar in London you alluded to bar with shapes as a name yeah uh which kind of really took everyone by surprise not that you opened a bar but that in fact it wasn't even that surprising that you did something interesting with the name and with the design and everything so tell us a little bit about that like the the decision to kind of go very creative with a name and not have a name at all really I th well i think that the the um the most important thing for us was obviously bars are awesome and i think that everyone enjoys a bar but it was always a fun uh, kind of a fun line to explore and we used to do this with menus but always in bars that already kind of were set up and we're like okay can we just have a 
all right, we like the idea that, you know, bars are full, but museums are empty or they're full of people that are forced to be there or pretend to be interested on a date or, you know, have to be taken by school and all this. Whereas we did feel like the relationship we have with art is just a very nice thing. It's just that it's often vehiculated with pretentiousness, perhaps. So there's, there's, a, there's a bit of a natural barrier being created to it. So like, okay, how, how can we just have something that is completely coherent from a particular artistic perspective, but never really having to bore you with art. So you can come in and you'll hear the music, you'll see the uniform, you'll have a drink, you'll see the design, you'll sit on a particular chair and you leave and you might have, we wouldn't have talked to you about anything, but you might have gotten a, a, a glimpse of what it means. And I think that this is what's cool about art. It's not the words you put on it, it's just the reaction you have towards it. Mm. Um, so I think that then when we started with this particular statement, it was kind of obvious that even the name itself was a little bit challenging and, and not to go too much and not to bore you today with the just the Bauhaus and the overall project of the Bauhaus. But it was always, you know, they had, they, they, there was that, there was that, um, that mean, that uh, desire to be international. And, and I think it's a super fun thing to obviously being French, living here, but also traveling quite a bit. I don't know. They, they, we we like the idea of having a of having a name that would make sense in every single language mm. and even every single writing. So the bar is is in English. You'd say it's a yeah yellow triangle, red square, blue circle, uh, and then for Instagram they don't let me call it this. So <laughs> it is a, a bar with shapes for a name on Instagram. Yeah, because I, I, one of the first things that occurred to me was like, oh, what about Google Maps and like the Google search and everything and and all that sort of thing, which is boring, of course. Like it shouldn't SEO shouldn't really be a consideration when you're trying to create something like a bar. But was that was that an issue? It was. I think it was more of a challenge than an issue because now we have. I think we're one of the first venues that uses emoji as a map. Yeah. So we managed to do this on Google, and yeah. it's obviously a lot of back and forth. The only thing we don't have yet is the yellow triangle emoji, and this is like permanent conversation with Unicode. So first start you talk with. Apple, because we didn't really know where to start, and then they put us in touch with Unicode, and it's like, well, you know, you can just get an emoji, and it's like, yeah, but you need a yellow triangle emoji, <laughs> so it's that kind of weird orange losange, I don't know how you'd say it, like kind of a weird reverse square when it should be a yellow triangle, so that's the last kind of battle we are, we are fighting with, uh, with all of this, but now on Google Maps, we are, you know, it's the shapes are there, you can Google the shapes, and we're going to pop up, so it's all kind of interesting to see as well how we evolve in a non- kind of a non-letter-based communication yeah, yeah. system. And I yeah. think that it's super interesting, especially if you take into account the entire, like the fact that the Bauhaus was a school and the fact that there was this kind of, again, desire to teach beyond words and to have just a, a very simple relationship to basic colors and forms. I think it's kind of a fun, uh, yeah, fun little journey. So is it, do you say it's Unicode? Is that who it is you've got to speak to about? They're, they're basically like the, the governors of emojis that's in the right, world. Yeah. They're basically the gods they, of the planet these yes. days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's incredible. So, I mean, you may inadvertently create an original piece of art if by by petitioning for this particular yellow triangle to be created and then become part of the the sort of emoji dictionary yeah i mean yeah i, I as i invented the yellow <laughs> triangle. triangle i've never seen one before <laughs> it's just I, I only, yeah, only. <laughs> well it doesn't exist online as insofar as emojis go so you that's that's cool to be able to petition for i, mean, I bet you never thought in your bar career you would be kind of dealing with like you know the tech uh, gods. Oh, that's to... the that's the funnest thing about. I think that this is the coolest thing about like, the job that I do now. So obviously going from like uh, just I guess working behind bars and then trying to manage a team and stuff like this. All of these design, all of these little parts that you kind of have to do. We we uh, at the moment for Paris, the bar in Paris is based on Art Nouveau, right? And I'm I'm gonna bore you with this for one no, second. No. But the uh, what we really I always wanted to open a bar on Art Nouveau because 
I think it's a very fun, okay, if you consider time more as like a kind of circle instead of lines, right? You see that problems will repeat themselves, but perhaps will manifest themselves in different ways. And you had this big, this big thing that happened to all of us about 150 years ago, the Industrial Revolution, right? You used to live in, used to live in London and you used to look like Cornwall, perhaps. It was all <laughs> green and you could see nature. Then the Industrial Revolution happens and you suddenly, there's, you know, there's cars, there's charcoal, there's a lot of metal. You don't really understand what's happening. And during these like 50, 70 first year or last year, I guess, of the Industrial Revolution, what happened was a, a global scale depression, right? Everyone was sad because they didn't understand nature. Mm. So arts and craft in the UK, Art Nouveau, Modernismo in, uh, I guess, in the Catalan region, mm. they all try to reintroduce art, uh, to reintroduce nature, excuse me, through the means of the Industrial Revolution, which was super fun. So you have these big like uh, underground stations in Paris, which look like like a beetle or you have all of the, you know, the Casa Batlo, like Gaudi, you know, in uh, mm. in Spain and it looks like a dragon. It's yeah. all nature inspired. And, people... and manufactured nature, kind of. Exactly. Yeah. But in a, set, like, in a sense, it was to cure that problem. And then we were like, okay, that's fun. How, how are we about to experience a very large scale depression? Because we are undergoing a revolution of our own. It's mm. obviously now more technological than it is industrial. Yeah, yeah. But we are the first. I didn't grow up with a computer. Mm. My daughter is seven and she, you know, she can do most things and I think it's a very interesting thing that there's no there's no be tested generation on this so how are we going to have to reintroduce nature through the means of technology in order to mm. face this post-industrial like this post-technological revolution mm. so this was kind of the idea so sorry big intro no 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 then it's good the bar in Paris is like a, it's very tiny it's 60 meters square and it's kind of at street level and then we have a little bit of a downstairs and uh 16 meters square yeah. so four by four four, four, by four four meters by four meters yeah it's, yeah. Like, it's ten 10 slim people. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, and downstairs is about the same. But we're like, okay, instead of... So upstairs is very cliche. Mm -hmm. There's no... If we talk about cocktails, there's no homemade ingredients, for example. Mm -hmm. It's only like a old school bistro style, you know, like a Edith Piaf, uh, non rien de rien going on, mm -hmm. uh, this kind of vibe. And downstairs is like, all right, this was what Arnaud was back then. What does it mean today? And then it's reintroducing nature through the means of technology. So a lot, uh, very brutal environment, like plants growing in the wall. And I was like, okay, I, I want to, I would like, I would like for people to understand what we're trying to do, but again, without having to, you know, say everything that I'm saying there. So we're first thinking, okay, I want a cat upstairs. And then I want one of these like little mechanical cats that you have that can do like the backflip. And I was like, okay, that's, that's fun, but that serves absolutely no purpose. <laughs> and that's kind of the first idea. So now we're looking into, I'm looking into hiring, buying. I don't know what is the, uh, the ethical thing to say, but like a, uh, it's like a humanoid with like a, an artificial intelligence, but that is capable of service. So I think to a certain extent, she, let's call her she. Um, sounds expensive, Remy. Extraordinary so. <laughs> for, for a bar that will produce a total of zero money. <laughs> the, thanks to the artificial thanks, waitress. It's, yeah. You wouldn't believe <laughs> how much my business partner, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that talking about it today will just mean that they will have to do it. But the, uh, I don't know, for, for a light 40K. I We're not gonna so wear much. this bit out. <laughs> going out to the whole world <laughs> the uh, and the, the fun thing is that you know we were sorry this long conversation started by you asking you know it's yeah i bet you didn't imagine you doing this i was in the conversation last wednesday with the um the guys that it's called softbank robotics the people that produce this particular uh particular humanoid mm -hmm. uh and i was like okay i what i like is the idea that you tristan come in we haven't met before and i'm like sorry we're full here because obviously there's 10 seats so hopefully we can fill 10 seats in the center of paris you go downstairs, my colleague will look after you. You go down and you have this um, this robot. She's called Pepper. 
right? You go down and she welcomes you and she tells you the story and then the concept instantly becomes interesting. But I was like, there's an element of novelty that is fun for five seconds. I, I get it. It's a bit of, I've done my little cliche thing. You've done your Instagram picture. It's cool. And it's like, no, I, is there a way that there's an added value for us? And it's like, okay, well, what is the nature of the human part of this humanoid? So for example, can she have a type? And the guys were saying to me that there's a way to, in, for her to be programmed in the sense that if she wants to flirt with people, she can. She has 17 cameras in her face, right? She can flirt with people with freckles 20% more than people that don't have freckles. <laughs> it's this level of fun, and you can have an ongoing continue. So I think that, yeah, the for me to discuss how can my robot flirt with people with freckles was still in a conversation I was thinking about having <laughs> when, you know... Yeah, um, a few years back. Yeah, yeah. When, when you were making dirty martinis. Exactly. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even think I made one. <laughs> well, you should be proud of that. I know, at the Arte yeah, of course, in hotel bars. Oh, you would have done yeah. it at the Artesian. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. A, like muddled, uh, seven olives muddled. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the orders, yeah. Well, speaking of that, um, we've kind of jumped to the present and, and indeed very much into the future, uh, talking about humanoid robot service um, ladies. I don't even know if that's the correct ethical term. But anyway. I haven't, yeah, I haven't <laughs> But let's go back. Um, maybe you can actually give me a bit of an introduction to how you got into the industry in the first place. Yeah, uh, yeah. I started, so I'm 32, I think I started at uh, maybe 17. My dad is uh, Irish and uh, I, was, uh, I was raised in France and I think, yeah, 17, I kind of left home and I started to work in, in pubs just because my dad had, you know, I think Irish people tend to have very strong community. So in France, you'll just, I'll have, I'll, you know, I'll be surrounded by Irish people all day and then he was like, okay, you need to work, what are you going to do? So I started to work in the pub and at the same time I was studying uh, philosophy. So my background is in uh, He's in philosophy um, and then kind of, you know, I think three or four years later. So I was, uh, initially in Lyon, then we moved to Oxford. Uh, then we, I think, and yeah, he was in Oxford where it was like, I wasn't having much success in getting a master's or doing, and he was like, okay, like I, I've been doing this job for five years now and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Why don't I try to, you know, to accept that this is the job I want to do? And there's something really, I think there was something super special in the, in pubs or I think just overall working I think serving people is something that I very much enjoy. Mm. Were you working in pubs in Oxford, or no? I was so Oxford was my first kind of cocktail bar. It's my first uh, competition. I think ten years ago, uh, ten years ago last year or something uh -huh. like this. Nice. Uh, but it was yeah, it was on Cali Road. I think it was, oh, okay. I think the place was called Cafe Tarifa. I know the place was called Cafe. Tarifa. I went. I went to a university in Oxford briefly. You did, and, and uh, so I remember Cali Road very That's well. Right. <laughs> That's, yeah. So it wasn't. It wasn't the the fancy bar in the city, uh, but I, it was quite fun. And it was just like, okay, I'm gonna need to start somewhere with doing cocktails. So I so I just uh, I did this. Then we moved to Southeast Asia for a bit, because uh, my uh, the mother of my child works for worked at the time for Oxfam, so she had a job uh, like head offices in Bangkok, but in Southeast Asia, and then I went to. Then I went to Paris, but the idea was always like, I think that there was a point where after after Oxford and Lyon and Thailand or Southeast Asia, it was like I started in uh, Paris at a place called Little Red Door, mm -hmm. where 2012 I think I started, 2013 maybe, um, and I think that there was the first time where, because of lack of owners or like lack of like the owners being very trustful is a more polite way of saying it, uh, it was kind of possible to do both so we'll do little menus that would uh, that would try to answer a particular philosophical question like do you need 
you know, do you need words to, we're talking about emojis, do you need words to understand yeah. flavor? Or I remember you doing that, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we just keep on changing years after year. Then we move to London to take the Artesian for two years. And then we eventually, uh, obviously, with the uh, with, uh, lockdown and not being able to open a venue, we had to wait a bit. We're able to open, uh, yeah, not last May, the one before. So did you have that venue kind of earmarked before lockdown and like really just waiting for all, all of that sort of stuff to end before opening it? Or was it after lockdown that you found it? Oh, no, we, I think we signed like June when it was about to happen. Uh, oh, we were particularly unlucky with the entire... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. I think that the... We're lucky because it's, it's an old, very inexpensive kebab with a 5 a.m. license. Mm. And we knew that, you know, also this particular license, we knew that we didn't really have to be that good. We just had to be open for people to come. So it was a, no, I think that it was, a, yeah, we were affected, but in a way that it, on paper we had it worse, but it was it was all manageable because the costs were very low and we, did, we hadn't hired anyone, for example. So yeah. How have you found the transition from being a bartender to being a bar owner and a businessman? I, I dislike it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, sure there's this. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know many people who've made that transition that are uh, exactly thrilled about the fact that they spend a lot of time doing accounts and yeah, PR and things like that. Th- thankfully, you know, my my business partner partners in different projects. They all they all they all they all kind enough to not like. I have to understand it and I have to do it to an extent. But I'm not I'm not counting money. I'm incapable of doing mm-hmm. it. But I think that it's true that the I miss having the feeling that I was good at something. And I think that working behind the bar, you do get that like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm like, you know, service is going smoothly, all the, all the drinks are cold, the, uh, you know, this yeah. olives is the perfect angle. You know, that feeling of no, like... Yeah, you're, you're, I mean, when you, when, you own a, when you become a business person, you're starting from scratch with a lot of skills, right? And like you say, you've been the kind of master of your craft for a while. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, but how good are you at writing a P&L? And, uh, you know, what's the sort of marketing plan and, you know, what's the HR policy and mm-hmm. have you thought about sick leave and all these kind of things that like you kind of knew were there. Like no one's oblivious to it before they step into that new role. But nevertheless, you su- it's surprising the amount of time it takes up exactly. if you don't have partners to kind of take a lot of that strain for you. And I, I, it sounds a bit like you. I've been lucky enough to have partners that have in the past probably handled more of the business side of it mm-hmm. whereas and left me to do more of the creative side of it to some extent tom probably wouldn't like me saying that but <laughs> it's probably kind of true um but yeah it's so um you you so it started just sort of towards the end of um the pandemic and how's it got how's it going so far i mean obviously you're opening new venues but it's been popular the bar in london mm. extraordinary so yeah, yeah. Yeah, very much so. In a, in a year, there's there's a we had to buy the bar next door, uh, just to avoid like having a queue. Again, I I, I must say like this is not coming from a place of a confidence or pretension. I hope, but we are, we are extraordinarily full. The only the only thing that we have is a real lack of space. Mm. And because of the license, we are, again we we have a license to serve you alcohol twenty four hours of the day. You yeah. just need to close one hour. I'm not even sure. And I think that it's one of our goals to be open 24 hours in the day eventually. Oh, nice. Uh, that's, that'd be good to get be able to get good cocktails somewhere 24 hours a day in London. It doesn't really... I, I, think it's a, I think it's nice. I think that if we were central, we would have already done it. Or We are in, we you know, we, uh, Haggiston, like East after shortage. Mm. The, um, 
we open until four. So you know that from one till four, from the day we opened, the bar was full. Mm. And thankfully, this particular segment of first having, uh, you know, having worked in the bar industry for a while. So I guess hospitality professional coming to see us after the shift and the idea that you can get a decent drink after work when you're a bartender and a young bartender and you can socialize and you can relax and have a bit of food and all this. I think that this kind of guaranteed that the business was working well enough. And then in the past year and a half, it's just developing the like opening hours to, yeah, developing the, the, the four till one in the morning or midnight and, and there this this is full also so it's all mm. uh, yeah it's going very well it's it is amazing isn't it that um because i've been twice and both times have been quite late because because obviously i want to come and drink your drinks but also because not a lot of choice, not, not yeah. other places are open right exactly i think that this is something which it's the only business clever decision yeah that we made about <laughs> this particular venue is the fact that it's i don't want to say it couldn't work but it's it's there's no there's no alternative mm. in order to get a decent drink at four in the morning, mm. and I think that that's. A... But it's fascinating, isn't it? Because um, I think when we're opening bars, you you think through a lot of different aspects of the offering, like right, what's the vibe going to be like, the music, the lighting, the drinks, the service style, how <clears> are we going to you know approach all of these different things in order to make the business a success, and of course to like you know, um, be true to the concept and the ideals of, of the whole thing. But um, things like that, like licensing and location, are so important to the success of a business, even if it's, like, not great, not a great bar. If, if those things are on your side, mm -hmm. you've got the right... I mean, we see this in, in the city centres all over the place, places that are teeming with people, tourists, whatever it is, and they've not got a great product, but because they're in the right location and they've got, you know, they've got the licences they need, they can trade you know, really, really well. Not just to draw a comparison between like an, an, an Angus Steakhouse and, and your place, but you no, know. No, but I think that the, <laughs> no, but I mean, I can certainly envy the, 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 the attraction that these places have. Yeah. And I think it's, it's natural as well that the, yeah. The only, the only hard thing for us with the license is it was to be at peace with the fact that, you know, I think that the, the, the like in, in modern years, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of kind of celebration of individual within the bar industry based on the product we believe they produce. Like Remy is good at making drinks, right? Let's mm -hmm. just say this statement. Knowing that at 4 a.m. everybody's going to be drunk, your only perception of my bar, as you said, mm. if you came at 6, you'd be like, this bar is designed to perfection. Mm. The uniforms, the way they catch the light, the stuff like the food is delicious, mm. the the work that they do with the, whatever, the liquid, the eyes, the equipment, or whatever this may be, you'll obviously be fully attentive to mm. it because you there at six. We had to be at peace with the fact that our perception, like the perception that people will have of a bar, is that it's, you know, it, it's a bar at 4 a.m. And I think that this was a, it was a nice thing to be like, yeah, that's awesome. Mm. Yeah, but this that is interesting, isn't it? Because it's, you, you, we've seen over the last few years some really great bars pop up in, let's say less traditional areas like outside of city centers like like where your place is and i guess you just got to be aware of of what's going on and and i think you know one of the primary roles of hospitality is to look after your guests isn't it and obviously that you've got that nailed down which is why you're busy as well and it's popular as well as the drinks i i, I had a, some sort of variation on a negroni when i came the first time i think that was absolutely delicious we're sort of talking about kind of like the art concept and Bauhaus especially. So that's in the name, but how does it permeate through the rest of the venue in terms of whatever it might be, music, design, and, and the cocktail list itself? I think that the, in I want to say in every single way. So uh, like it's a, it's a, uh, 
it's a uh, for me it was always very terrifying to have someone that knows the Bauhaus better than I do uh, coming in and being like that's inaccurate and you know that moment where you are to absolutely collapse and it's like oh my god he's right you know mm. I've not done my job properly so I think it's it's true that it, it's hard to say a, um, a good example well first of all the the, the nature of uh, the nature of the way we serve drinks and I think that this is a very clever business decision even though it starts with an art movement it's the fact that the Bauhaus you know second director of the Bauhaus is uh, Miles Van Der Rohe, who I'm sure you know that did like the the He's the guy that says uh, less is more. Mm -hmm. He's also the guy that says uh, shapes follows function, functionalism, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. The godfather of functionalism. Yeah. The idea that shape follows function allows us to question what is the nature of a bar. And I think that one of the reasons why you go to a bar, uh, the excuse to go to a bar is to get a drink, right? Uh, we are allowed to just see what is the, the, most, the optimal way to serve drinks. So all of the standards for drinks are under a minute. doesn't matter how many of you are there. But it just means that we're able to make 500, 600 drinks a night, always being served rather fast because that functionality was built into the into the bar itself. Mm. Uh, I think another like yeah again the design of the space itself is quite uh, is quite obvious. I think the you know the uniform was a very interesting thing because it was a lot of work from. Like, yeah, it's kind of. I, mean, I don't want to like be like reduce it down to something too simplistic, but I think and I, I guess maybe that's possibly an element of Bauhaus because the function and the form, but it's sort of like overalls, right? Yeah, it's like a, I don't know how you'd, uh, it's like a mechanic uh, yeah, outfit. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the reason why we have this is because there's a very famous, uh, there's a very famous teacher of the Bauhaus called Laszlo Moginaj. And okay. he used to, he used to like do a lot of stuff, photography, painting, but he did a lot of metal work. And you know, the Bauhaus is like students, teachers, everybody exchanged, nobody agrees. Mm. And he used to walk around before you had the cliche of the artist with, you know, the, the beret and the long hair and the, the thing like this. And he used to walk around in this like mechanic outfit because for him, it was the, it was the first time that, Manual, like art was manual labor and it was positioned as such whereas before you did have this very like the nature of art being very you know you you hang out with the gods when you when you produce a painting like no it's like it's manual work so he had this this outfit that we, in which ours is based on so what we did is we took this particular picture from the archives oh, nice. and we're like we go to see a fashion designer and is uh okay we want something like this. Okay, what is the, the nature of the function? So with work, you know, you have a lot of different things that are built into the outfit that I guess represent the idea of functionality. Mm -hmm. The same way the, um, you know, the the lights, the sound engineering, all of these are, ju are just, they're just done in a way where they, they can all, they all, there's a reason for everything. Mm. And I think that this is what's nice about it. Yeah, and I guess not, no, a sort of economy as well. So you're not kind of wasting uh space or sound or design with anything that's unnecessary right it's got to provide a function in order for the form to be realized correct 100 percent. which is why also we real we realize and it's something that you know it's 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 nice to talk in this kind of format is like we like there's mistakes that were made we we designed the bar ourselves like we had the kind of architect telling us right you can do this or there's particular toxic something there or you know this kind of stuff but the most of the the, the way the bar was organized was done by yourself, which is why we're breaking fully the barn there in order to rebuild it. Because oh. there was elements of it that weren't functional. Mm. As a, there's, you know, there's... Not very Bauhaus, huh? <laughs> I think there's, I think most of it is, but the thing is the Bauhaus is such, it's almost like a cheat, uh, it's almost like a cheat because you can justify everything in the Bauhaus because you had 500 people going at the same time having different opinions. Yeah. They used to, do, they did this thing where the masters, the teachers of the Bauhaus, they all were given a little house 
and all of them redecorated it. They all hated it the way it was. So Kandinsky's house was like this. You had the whatever. Paul Klee's house was completely different. Oh, right. Well, so ripping apart your bar is, is the most bad yeah, house exa- things you could do then. <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> well, the fact that, you know, everything can be, I guess, uh, to an extent justified. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that too, which is good. Um, and so what about the drinks? Um, you, met, you mentioned about sort of service of them and production. So you, you're batching, I guess, in order to create the fun- functionality and that sort of reflected in the speed of service and and there's beauty in that but in terms of ingredients is there anything there that you're doing or in, in terms of the presentation because Bauhaus I mean the the art side of it as opposed to sort of the architecture is quite striking with shapes and sort of lines and all that kind of thing is you doing anything visually to kind of reflect some of that or is that a bit too sort of overt and obvious are you trying to be a bit more discreet about it than that it's really both <laughs> it's really so I think that we are we are as a as a I don't believe that there's any garnishes in any of our drinks. I don't believe we have drinks that have more than three or four ingredients. Them being complicated is possible because, you know, <laughs> mm. um, but the, no, the, so the, yeah, the, the way they serve is very fast. A lot of the, a lot of the work that we do with visual, for example, is with ice. And this is why it's nice to have business partner as well, because when you start to, again, we had, we did add the confinement for us to research the bars and and for us, it was when I was doing philosophy, a big part of aesthetic was a very interesting topic to me. And history of art was always kind of very much linked to it. So you couldn't really avoid it and understand the, you know, the why was before, what is after, and all like kind of diving into it. And then I ended up doing stuff with, uh, you know, I have a, a she's seven. She was maybe five at the time. Uh, and we're in lockdown, so you just kind of get bored. So I, I started to like trap a lot of her toys in ice to kind of annoy her. Um, <laughs> You know, I had this clear eyes with like, oh whatever God. this may be, like a this little... Is the, this is the most bartender kids game <laughs> yeah. I've, I've ever heard of. Uh, she loves it as well, don't... But, you know, it's just... <laughs> Poor child, of... she's like frostbite on her hands, can't play with her toys. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then I was like, okay, and, and for some reason we had like a light prism because we're doing like, I don't know, basic uh, physics or like understanding light refraction. So I put one of these guys into like a clear ice cube. And then it was like at the same time I was uh, I was kind of diving into the the uh, the pre Bauhaus and like a Russian like suprematist painting you know like uh, Malevich and this kind mm-hmm. of stuff you know white on white and I was looking at this ice cube and I was like amazing like the the you have this light prism trapped into a block of ice and obviously when I move it there's nothing like there's nothing and everything and it's a very it was a very for me, there was an obvious connection, mm. but I was way too ashamed to put this on any menu ever. It's like, it's so <laughs> dull. Like, in my mind, it was so lame. And then my business partner was like, that's awesome. Like, like we need to have this. So I think that, again, the the there is a lot of work done towards aesthetics. There is a lot of work done towards, I guess, the drink themselves. They are, by nature, quite simple. The Negroni you mentioned is a Negroni that is washed with coconut oil. And it's like a coconut Negroni. And it's I think it's lovely. It's yeah. delicious. The The... I've never been one for very complicated drinks. I think that there's there's more to do. I I think that the you know a drink can be made extraordinary by just I guess everything that is around and this very very cliche thing to say. But if you add, we always talk about that piña colada in Puerto Rico or whatever on the beach. I think that if you add something that is in a very pleasant way intellectually challenging, or you feel like there's something that it provokes in within you a just a particular feeling or a particular question. I think that this is something added to your drink. I think that there's a there's real that there's a real extraordinary thing to be said about places that just made you like in a very friendly way, kind of could you just question yourself a mm. little bit. Mm. And this is why you can go there's places that would you work I don't know surrounding sustainability for example where you feel wow I'm, I want to I want to go home and explore this or like this made me question it. And there are places which are kind of like 
I guess, like aggressively communicating the, the research that you are in a way that doesn't feel like you're part of the process, you're included and there's room for like improvement. Mm. And, and then you feel kind of, yeah, you know, a bit silly. And we were terrified to fall under that second category where we are, we are, you know, everything with you is pretentious. I'm always terrified of this. That mm. is going to come across as, why don't you have a beer and a shot? Why don't you open a pub? Why don't you? And it's, yeah. So with that kind of uh, approach to complexity in drinks and the sort of process of discovery um, on the on the part of the guest, is that, would that is that then something that you would be consistent between all of your new openings? Or, you know, could you envisage um, a concept where the particular art movement requires something different than complexity in drinks or, the, or you know, or maybe... I don't know, like minimalism, for example, um, where everything has the subtlest taste, potentially. I mean, that might not be the way you go, but just as a sort of mm -hmm. thought experiment. Could, so can you imagine you changing your approach to drinks based on that? Yeah, yeah. I think that this is part of it is, again, there's no, there's no drinks are not complicated, right? Like it's not hard to make a decent drink. I think that the the mindset kind of justified everything. So we were, I don't know, at some point you'd be, we'll be exploring drinks around uh, brutalism. Mm. You know, they're obviously not going to, taste or look the same as drinks around Art Nouveau. Mm. And it's super fun because even Art Nouveau will be the, um, we're opening up in Lyon, it's based on the abstract art, for example. And at the moment I'm exploring, okay, I'm like, right, this is very difficult because Bauhaus and abstract art, it's like, you know, again, Bauhaus is not really an art movement, it's mm. a school. Mm. The, the difference between the drinks in each places, the way they look, the way they feel, the way, you know, now we're at a point where like, okay, do we need clear eyes for this particular drink? Or it's like, no, actually, as a matter of, you know, when it's the second everything becomes a, a conscious decision, that it becomes powerful, but you need to be, it's nice when you know that you know nothing, right? Socrates told us this, we know that we know nothing. Mm. So the only thing that you have to do is just be at the service of a particular art movement. So the drinks, I think, will always have a certain line. And I, as I said, the, the, um, it's nice that most things are delicious. I don't know. I remember, was it was I in Glasgow with you, and we just uh, were in this whiskey pub, and we just had yes, you know, we, and we'd be trying you try stuff, and it's like the pot still. That's right, yeah. Which everyone who goes to Glasgow should go to. It's the be probably the best whiskey pub in the world. Yeah, it's yeah. Extraordinary, yeah. and you taste stuff. It's like it's like it's miraculous. It's so good. Mm. So like the 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 of course there is a functional nature of cocktail that they need to be palatable for the larger number and you want you want your daiquiris and you want your stuff i mean there's like there are whiskeys in the world or there are cognacs in the world or they are i think even yeah there are spirits in the world that are just so delicious by essence so 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 it's it, not much to be done to it so this is kind of my natural mindset now when we go into that okay again brutalism it's like right how can i how can i do this so i need to relearn only to remember, like, to remind myself that I don't know anything, mm. and that you know I'm at the service of one particular art movement here. Mm. And it isn't about Remy's bar as well, because the, you know, there's no, no normal people don't care. Mm. It's just you go there and it's like ah, I had a drink that was minimal, and I had a drink that was like Art Nouveau. Obviously, the link with nature. There's a lot of things to be said about it. The a, a good example would be. Sorry, am, am I talking too much? Nope. <laughs> Is the nature of what we The do. less I talk, the better. <laughs> Don't worry, keep going. We were doing this, right, as I'm sure you know, especially when you when you start to have multiple venues, the idea of consistency is very important, right? Mm -hmm. And the idea of standardization, you say that? Yeah, yeah. Is very important. Now, the hard thing is my zest in Bauhaus, my lemon zest in Bauhaus, is different than my lemon zest in Bar Nouveau because they, they shouldn't be the same. The way that 
Surely it's a yellow triangle. We need these yellow triangles if we're going to get this emoji. If I did this, <laughs> if I did this, and uh, no, but the the and it's a very hard thing to have a standardization by venue and not by person you work with or for. And I think it's it's a super yeah it's a hard thing to mm. grasp. But and I think the 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 zest is a great example. Mm. They are they, they both are right because they are in an environment. Yes. So if I do a uh, if I do a guest shift and I'm asked to make drinks from Baos and from Bar Nouveau, they cannot be you know the glassware has to be different, the yeah. ice has to be everything has to be different because mm. again the drink is at the service. Yeah, I, like you say, the the consistency is your kind of unrelenting commitment to the concept. What a, and Obviously, in your case, that's that's an art movement or an art school, um, but they're inconsistent for that very reason between one bar to another because each one has its own um, unique uh, well, art movement that it's adhering to. And it's it's interesting because it, it brings you to the to the relative nature of what's beautiful, and I think that it's mm. like once you once you accept that the process is beautiful mm. and that they're all kind of the same. People mm. are always trying to do the same thing. Obviously, the, the manifestation do differ. There's there's no... Yeah, it's a, it's a hard thing to grasp. Like, oh, I like... I don't like Art Nouveau, but I like uh, Baos. Mm. Like, yeah, it's just because you... That's, that's not, not the right way to look at anyone making anything. Yeah, but I mean, I, I guess if you're doing your job properly, you could serve a, a martini between those two bars, which are quite strikingly different because they have to go through that lens of that particular concept. But in that place, they are perfect. And in that moment, they are perfect because they are in and of that place and that art movement. A hundred percent. And they are like, there, there is, there are drinks that will never be better if they were, you know, if you have a plastic, uh, like, I don't want, okay, paper cup at a festival or whatever, it's, it, it wouldn't be better in a crystal tin Japanese glass or in a, in a heavy, uh, Five star Baccarat glass. There's like there's yeah there is room for everything and the the relativity of what we consider as beautiful therefore good is yeah just you just need to accept yeah that. well I mean like a pint of Guinness in the American bar wouldn't feel like a great drink order it just wouldn't seem right at all but in a good Irish bar or in a good pub it's perfect and equally. Even if it was a great tasting martini, I don't think I'd enjoy it that much in a pub. But it's and then there, this is where it becomes so interesting because that's like that's I guess what we you you assume. But then there's if you take in the element of culture expectation and well, yes, and that's a big part so, of it. Yeah. So you but in like having a pint of Guinness in the American bar, you'll have this added ingredient of uh, feeling naughty. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And yeah. that's enough to that's enough. I want a pint of Guinness in the American bar. That's there. true. And I think that this is interesting because you can you can capitalize if we talk about business mm. on having these particular segments of culture that you touch to. And this is why I believe that it's a great idea to open this bar based on art. And mm. I don't think it's a it's it's extraordinarily annoying to produce because it's it's changing your mind consistently, like completely disagreeing with all your architects all the time. It's it's a it's quite a strenuous process because again we're trying to be as accurate as we can, not being artists, not being a I don't have a PhD in history of art. We, we we're trying our, our best, but the the when because we touch something that is, I, I've never heard anyone say I don't like art, and I think that the the it's so there's so much to grasp, and there's there's there is the fact that you feel like you're drinking intelligent to an extent. Like mm. we had this a lot of people coming in early. There's a lot of uh, nice little uh, kind of art uh, atelier around the around the bar in London, 
and people were just being like, oh yeah, like uh, you know, it's it's not uh, it's not as bad if I have two drink because you know the bad house. I'm being like, cu- I'm, cu- I'm getting some culture at the same exactly, time as yeah. uh, drinking alcohol. Yeah, so it must be a fine line to correctly sort of showcase your the concept. Let's stick with bar shapes instead of a name. With, with that in the Biohouse, and and with the with the other bars that you're opening now. Where do you kind of check yourself in terms of the concept and potentially, I mean, can you overdo it? Can it be too overt and obvious and kind of a bit tacky? Um, and also the other way around, like, you know, how do you, how do you ensure or do you care if someone walks in off the street that they get at least sort of some small percentage of this concept you know, distill down into them. They they walk away having understood a little bit about what you're trying to do there. Uh, so the second question, I don't, I don't care. No, I don't. Uh, and it's, uh, I know it's not the the polite thing to say, but I've I've finally understood that what we want to do is more important than what people perceive. Before I would have lied and said no, of course the guests. But if you if you if you if you cater for everyone, you just end up diluting everything into a, a, a beige as you say like a very city center chain place that is just designed to cater for everyone it's nice that people won't like the bar it's the best thing about it actually like oh i hate it so much it's like, awesome at least it's an effective reaction so they've just been like well well good art gets that reaction as well right so. i guess so yeah <laughs> i guess yeah can we fall in under the two tacky thing that's really hard that's very hard because as i said the the what i consider tacky maybe my business partner won't and this is a very the the I think that the only way to prevent this is just to keep on educating yourself towards particular art stuff. And I think that a lot of the work that we'd like to eventually do has to do a lot in the, a lot more in the world of art than it has to do in the world of drinks. Mm. And it's fun to that that kind of both uh, work alongside. But for sure, we'll make a, for sure we're going to make mistakes. A hundred percent, we're going to do something and be like, that's really lame. Mm. And we totally be cool. <laughs> have you are you are you or have you worked with any artists? Um, like in the, within the design of the places or just as consultants on what you're doing or are you just relying on your own sort of um, background in, in art? No, so we, I mean, uh, in terms of design, yes. In terms of, uh, at the moment, we're doing uh, like a lot of uh, light installations for shapes, so different kind of uh, very cool artistic stuff. We work a lot with, uh, yeah, architect and designer mostly in terms of artist, in terms of uh, so yeah we work with artists I, we haven't worked with a musician we worked with uh, sound engineers mm. but we haven't worked with a painter we work with designers again then the the hardest question is what's a you know what's an artist <laughs> yeah, yeah right yeah uh, and, and, and have you got any attention from the art world in general yeah yeah a lot a, a lot i don't want to say a lot more than from the bar industry but the because there's not that many i think that there's no places that does it with such intent and such you know you can have a what is the, there's a there's a bow right that is kind of based on on hoppers a uh, night crawler i think it, around here in fitzrovia nighthawks a uh, nighthawk sorry yeah um oh, i was there really yeah i think so it looks I, like nighthawks does it yeah i think i, I walk by there's something quite obvious about it yeah i'll uh, I'll, I'll maybe show it to you uh show it it's to got you a after. big big window it's got its own windows, and but it has that shape of the bar, you know, and the yeah, older yeah, kind yeah. of soda canister on the side. But it's like kind of Korean and coffee urn, as well. tea urn or something, isn't it? I think in the painting, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
Nice. The uh, and I think that the you know this is inspired by art. Or you can open a place and say, okay, it's uh, this is an Italian disco place, right? Mm. Or it's uh, this is oh this place is uh, minimalistic. Like completely fair, and this is certainly not too other day because I think anyone that does this vaguely, it's interesting. Yeah. But I I believe that because we again we we've not opened a bar and then decided to make it Bauhaus. Mm. We opened a bar. We broke everything. And every single corner of it was done with balance in mind. Mm. And there, the moment that we realize some things don't work, the only solution we have is to break it. So mm. I, 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 we very much, there's one thing I'm very confident about is the, the fact that we're taking this coherence to the art movement very seriously. Mm. And for me, it's even, it's, it's to an extent a lot more interesting than making the drinks. Mm. You know, the drinks are an easy collateral to it. But the entire idea that you, you have to be coherent and you can't, you can mess this up because First of all, you're gonna look like an idiot, and there's no real need for it. But yeah, you like we have to be we have to be coherent. We have to be precise. Cool. So look, uh, this has been fun talking about some of this uh, deeper philosophical side of drinks and food and everything. Um, where do you think things are gonna go in the next five or ten years? Everyone always wants to know about trends, and you are clearly someone that's sort of spearheading some of this stuff. So where do you see it going? I think I don't know. I think that is going to go towards more and more. Um, a little bit of a creative, like, um, I think like, a, that's a hard thing for me to articulate. People more and more are going to allow themselves to be themselves. I think that this is what I'm seeing a lot in the industry. I think that before, in order to be successful, you'll, you'll just look at some people and the journey they've taken, uh, looking at, okay, you have to have, a, you know, to wear a tie and to have a clear eyes and you need to do things like this and you need to throw your cocktail and you need to have a cool shake and I think all of the I'm talking from the from the, the perspective of bartender like people tend to allow themselves to be themselves and I think that you can obviously talk about like generic trends like okay sustainability is of, a, of, of primary importance and it's very interesting the more than a trend is something that you can see in every single aspect of our ongoing civilization uh, that's a forever lasting trend the way people are going to find a way to make it for themselves, when you see weird bars being successful, and you're like, "Yeah, yeah it's just yeah. because it's just because you like the people doing it meant to do it," mm. and it's 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 impossible not to be touched by anyone doing something they want to do. That's what's awesome about. Yeah, people. totally. Yeah, I, and I think you're right. I don't think we're seeing it already, aren't we? Because the sort of range, the diversity of bars that's that are opening now is so much richer than it was, and it's not to really kind of look put down. There's you know, ten years ago, let's say, when it was speakeasy bars opening everywhere and all that kind of 15 years ago. Speakeasy bars popping up all over the place. Because I think that was kind of a necessary evolutionary process for the industry. I mean, before that time, it was hard to get good cocktails in most cities. You know, it was tricky. You know, very variable quality, um, in, like inconsistent and often overpriced for what it was. And I think that, you know... We've gone through an evolution from the from well, I mean, obviously it goes back way further, but certainly during our kind of time from the like late nineties, early two thousands, up to where we are now, and it's that sort of foundation that's now got us to a place where the craft is respected enough, people are willing to try new venues, new concepts because they've been doing it for years already. It's a, I, I think that I think that we're finally getting to the point where cocktails have entered culture, in in the sense that it's it's. It's a it's a thing there, and it's not like there was a point in which like oh a cocktail a trend, and I think that this is interesting mm. to never be like what are the trends within cocktails, and I think that as you say with specialization over the past twenty five years, there 
there's more and more room in the next in the next 50 years the kind of bars that are going to open are going to be so cool it's impossible because we're going towards this over like specification conceptually and that's awesome to see and i think especially to see it from the the outside as long as the you know as long as the drinks are decent and the people are nice there's no way you wouldn't go back really so mm. i think that, that there's a lot of there's a lot of fun exploration to be had with the yeah with, with just people doing stuff mm. that has been a fun conversation man Really good. I like that a lot. We're going to have to get you back on, man. In fact, can we just get him on every time? <laughs> oh, thanks a lot for coming in. My pleasure, Tristan. Thank you very much. Yeah, and good luck with all the new openings. I'm looking forward to coming around and seeing them all. Please do. Please do. All right. Thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Remy as much as I did. If you haven't already, head over to DiagioBarAcademy.com and subscribe. Then we can send you more stuff and notify you of new podcast episodes. Thanks. Until next time. 